Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin's campus and beyond. My name is Holden Turner. And I'm Juliette Min. Green Tea is a production of the Office of Sustainability at Bowdoin College, sharing the perspectives of students, staff, and community members. This week, Juliet and I spoke with Joanna Lin, a Bowdoin junior. Joanna majors in neuroscience and math and leads the pre-health society on campus. Our conversation ranged from growth mindsets to doctors to friendship to pole vaulting. Hope you enjoy. Joanna, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. My name is Joanna. I am a junior here at Bowdoin. I use she, her, her pronouns, and I'm a neuroscience and math double major. I am interested in the future in becoming a healthcare provider one day, so I'm a pre-med student, as they call it, and I am in the midst of trying to figure out how to apply to medical school and all that, and being a Bowdoin student here on campus. That sounds great. So we're here to, um, doing this podcast that features sustainability and stories of sustainability in Bowdoin and in the community beyond Bowdoin, so we're curious what does sustainability mean to you as someone who is this student who is studying pre-med and neuroscience? Sure. I think about sustainability a lot in terms of mental health and emotional well-being and thinking about how to be sustained as a student and as a friend, as a family member, and how I can provide for others while keeping myself whole. I think a lot about what it means to be a doctor and healthcare provider and how to care for others um, and first and foremost, caring for myself and putting myself in a position to do that for other people. I think I hear a lot about how becoming a doctor is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> and that's just so repeated. Um, and it's so hard to really internalize that because mm-hmm. every day or you know, with every assignment, it feels like a sprint to the next thing. Yeah. So trying to think about how to sustain myself in the midst of running this marathon. That's an interesting thing that you bring up because it seems like running a marathon, obviously something very hard to do, and yet you're doing it in order to take care of other people. Right. So what's the, what's the kind of dynamic there? That, like what, why, what pushes you to run this marathon sure. to take care of people? So I'm really interested in becoming a healthcare provider one day to provide for underserved populations <laughs> and to care for those who don't necessarily have the means or resources to receive care at a level that others can. And so this really comes from my background as a first-generation low-income student um, and the difficulties my family faced when going through the healthcare system. And so I really hope in the future that to become a provider who can offer a service to others and to care for others, not only like physiologically, but mentally and socially and the context of where they are in their lives. Nice. Have you been providing for or giving care to people for a long time, do you think? I think with friends, for sure. I love being that friend that people can go to for help in any means, whether it's academic, emotionally, like socially, um, and just providing advice when I can. Obviously, with a grain of salt. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, And also, I think within my extracurriculars, I seek out ways to serve other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a Bear Buddies volunteer here at Bowdoin. Um, which means that I am a mentor for those ch- for children who are differently abled, um, mm-hmm. and I in Bear Buddies we do a lot with inviting them on campus and, and engaging them with different activities um, to really encourage them to grow socially and with each other. 
and then at home during the pandemic, uh, I was serving neighbors that I didn't yet know um, as a Meals on Wheels volunteer, bringing them meals, um, lunch when they did not have the means to do so. And through this, I, I really saw it as a service to provide for others who didn't want to risk catching coronavirus mm-hmm. at a time when it was very, very prevalent. <laughs> yeah. So it was a great time. And I think like, and those are some ways that I have provided service. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you talked a little bit before about how you see what you are doing here as a student and what you will be doing as uh, a marathon instead of a sprint. And so, but, you know, as we live on in life, there are a lot of unexpected things that might arise. For example, the pandemic that has, uh, you know, visited us in 2020. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious, you know, when there are these unexpected things that happen or when there are these difficulties that arise, how do you sustain yourself to move on to the next thing? Yeah, so I think I... As a student, I'm definitely someone who takes on a lot, as I'm sure many Bowdoin students do. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that a little bit. Right, yeah. And so I think for me, what I find sustains me is connecting with others, um, especially with my friends, and just talking about the difficulties and different burdens that we are facing and taking on, and mm-hmm. taking heart and supporting each other and encouraging each other. Yeah. It feels good at the end of the day just to kind of let things out by talking, right? sharing miseries over problem sets, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, what spaces do you find yourself talking to friends in and, and kind of engaging in, in that sort of sharing? Sure, so I think there's a lot of affinity groups on campus, which mm-hmm. I think I've met amazing people through, whether it's QuestBridge, whether it's Asian Students Association, uh, there's also uh, the pre-health society, which yeah. is something that I lead on campus. Um, and I also think just like informally outside of specific groups formed mm-hmm. and student activities, uh, I find myself communicating a lot with just friends casually when I'm like running yeah. into them now at the mm-hmm. library. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. before I would uh, reach out to them over like a phone call just to catch up and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the Pre-Health Society, and I was curious whether the members of this organization uh, have conversations about how to have sustainable practices or how to include sustainability into, I guess, the lifestyle of people who are going to become healthcare physicians in the future. Yeah, the Pre-Health Society has different sorts of programs and events that we put on, and one that I'm really proud of is a book club that I've led. Um, and talking about and directly talking about and discussing those types of matters um, thinking about sustainability and when medicine can't provide and thinking Mm -hmm. about the limitations of medicine Mm -hmm. and what do we do then when we're at the end of the line and we can't support others how can we sustain ourselves in that emotional distress when we're out of things to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that those conversations I had with a small core of students who were interested in the book club was definitely a space to talk about that. There's also Seth Ramis, the pre-health advisor on campus, who stresses so much about being sustainable in terms of mental health, in terms of thinking about what you really want to do, and not mm-hmm. being so stuck, stuck on a pre-med track, per se, mm-hmm. yeah. and thinking yeah. about how to really 
live a sustainable life to students who are interested in providing for others. And so what sorts of advice do you hear when you have these conversations? When, when someone comes and you're just like, I'm feeling really burnt out, what's, what does someone say to them? I think Seth would probably suggest taking it slow and realizing that burnout usually comes when you're just excited to do things, mm. excited for a lot of things coming up yeah. and you're putting on a lot on your shoulders. But burnout happens when you realize that that doesn't necessarily mean when you take on stuff, they will all fall through. And so when you're sort of stuck in like the bureaucratic steps to get things done and stuck with a lot of things that are overwhelming you Mm -hmm. to take the time to slow down and just knock off one thing at a time. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, So you mentioned the book club and I was... Um, I was actually a part of her book club. I'm, oh, not cool. a pre-health, I'm not a pre-health student, but I was quite interested. And so I took part for a little bit. And I remember a book that uh, you led that was very impactful. It was a book called Being Mortal, but mm-hmm. I think the author's name was Atul Gawande. Yeah. Um, and there were some really interesting concepts that were ideas that were brought up by this author um, about what is the limitation of medicine? Yeah. Um, how should we view uh, the capacity of technology and medicine to enhance our life and to extend our life, mm. our, the length of our life? Um, and at what point do we have to say that doing these many different surgeries that have a very, very, very low chance of mm. saving our lives or making our life quality better, at what point does do those things become the source of our difficulty. So that was a book that really stood out to me. Um, so what was your reaction to it? Yeah, what was your reaction to that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, Julia, you put it so well on summarizing what the book was really about. And mm-hmm. I think my initial reaction to it was just thinking about how that applies and to medicine. And it really shifted the way I thought about medicine because mm-hmm. I think as a neuroscience major and a math major, I think of things very quantitatively and thinking about solutions. And mm-hmm. so hearing that medicine is not the end all be all, that they're, yeah. that it can't solve things, yeah. that there's limitations. I think that really was eye-opening and hearing about his experiences when medicine failed. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it really shifted on thinking about how medicine transforms people and in the ways that it can't. Mm-hmm. And I also was thinking, I, I was just very intrigued because I did not have a lot of background on um, specifically like surgeons per se. Uh, there's no family members in my family who are doctors or physicians. So it was very eye-opening and giving an experience that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Did it change your perspective on your role as someone who wants to become a doctor? I think I saw the doctor role originally as someone who was a counselor in your own body and giving you advice and treatment on how to solve the problems within your biological processes that are happening. And I think this book transformed my thought in thinking about what can we do when we can't solve these problems that arise and how can we support others in other ways. So whether that means mentally and providing the social networks to thrive even after you can't dissolve a problem, 
I saw that as a different role that the doctor takes on mm-hmm. in not only providing medicine, but into providing the support to live a good life, not just a long life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you try to live a good life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. I think it's, it's very easy to lose sight of what's important yeah. in the midst of quizzes, exams, and papers. Ten different readings to do. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think I do try to live a good life in the sense that I try to do what's important to me, whether mm-hmm. it's taking some time out of my busy schedule to be physically active, mm-hmm. um, taking time to schedule in walks with friends, conversations, meals, um, and just taking the time to do things that are important to me. Yeah. I have a question kind of about that because we've, Juliet and I have been talking a little about the idea of friendship during this semester yeah. and um, specifically how it's hard to sustain friendships that have fallen by the wayside in the last year or so, mm-hmm. this big interruption in our college lives. So what are, have you found time and space to rekindle any friendships here and can you describe a little about how that's going for you so far? For sure. So the last semester was definitely isolating. Mm-hmm. It was hard to be away from so many friends, mm-hmm. but I think being on campus, being so close to them, close to friends, and being able to really meet up really easily by sending messages, by sending emails or whatnot to uh, go for a walk yeah. or grab a meal, it's been a blessing in that I can really connect with others in ways that don't translate across a screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my questions is about being a neuroscience major. Sure. What do you do in a neuroscience major, and what? And <laughs> I I know what neuro, I know what neuroscience is, but but it's just a fascinating topic to me, and I'm wondering how taking neuroscience science changes the way that you think about how our brains and thinking works. Mm-hmm. I know it's a very broad question, but do you have any <laughs> thoughts about that? Yeah. So. The neuroscience major Mm -hmm. is really about the intersection of biology and psychology and specifically thinking about the nervous system with the brain and the spinal cord and that connects to so many things like locomotion, like Mm -hmm. central pattern generators, like your heart beating. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really intrigued by the neuroscience major because of this intersection between the environment and our biology Mm -hmm. and thinking about how uh, we just are transformed by the things we experience and the yeah. things we do will transform how we experience, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely does. It's because it's, it's not just a, a um, it's not just a, a fixed system, is it? It's like, right. it's always changing also. Yeah, for sure. And it's incredible just looking at neurons first off and then mm-hmm. seeing the synaptic plasticity and the flexibility that we have within our brains. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm also a uh, I'm also a Baldwin Center Learning uh, teaching mm-hmm. assistant, and something we always talk about is growth mindset. Yeah, and thinking about that and how that's different from fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible the way our brains can adapt. Mm-hmm. And so, in a um, neuroscience lens, what goes on during a growth mindset moment? Like when someone when someone changes their mind about something, what what does that look like in the brain? Mm. Do you know? Does I, science know that? <laughs> I, I'm sure there's things out there already with research mm-hmm. in that. Uh, but this growth mindset thing, it came out pretty recently. I don't know too much about the literature in it. Yeah. But 
I believe there is research showing that when you have a growth mindset, the capabilities of your mind to do certain things, take action, to really learn is is changed. Mm. When you uh, it's opposed a, a fit growth mindset opposed to a fixed mindset. Yeah. When you have the fixed mindset, you're saying, "Oh, I don't think I can do it." Like, "Oh, I I doubt I could do it even." Mm-hmm. And so that in itself is setting you back. And that's so related to the idea that people have, which is you know, the fir- the hardest step is like getting started. Yeah. yeah. And that is definitely true in this. Very cool. Do you find yourself embodying this growth mindset? Do you try to get yourself in that? Yeah, for sure. I think I'm always trying to have a growth mindset. And mm-hmm. it's really, sometimes it's really hard when you are definitely. facing so many things <laughs> and you just undermine your own confidence and worth. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely feel that. But I do try to enable or try to tap into a growth mindset for sure. For example, this last year, in a sophomore year before our health COVID happened, I decided to uh, walk onto the track and field team. Cool. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I was very unsure about because I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was something I had done in high school Mm -hmm. and I wasn't certain if I wanted to pick it up again in college. But it's definitely been a growing moment where every single time I go into practice, I'm excited to to grow as an athlete yeah. and mm-hmm. to really push my body to its limits. Yeah. Are you still on the track team? I am. I am. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I was talking about the marathon earlier, but yeah. I'm, I'm actually a pole vaulter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I Wait. imagine the, the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset must also have an impact on the way that you try to live a more like sustainable lifestyle mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. uh, because if you were to have that fixed mindset you would it would be i imagine it would be so much more difficult to even attempt new things and if i had a fixed mindset over a growth mindset which i think i sometimes do it just puts so much pressure on the person to mm-hmm. to be someone when they don't think they can be right. or um, yeah. but whereas like if you were to have a growth mindset it's it really it does relieve some pressure i find myself in a fixed mindset all the time and it's it's hard, it's a hard system to mm-hmm. get out of mm-hmm. um, but i i do i do see myself feeling frustrated or less able to kind of wrap my head around larger ideas when I'm really mm-hmm. focused in on just what I'm trying to do and get it done but it's not really productive it doesn't feel good mm. mm-hmm. yeah we're learning something <laughs> from <laughs> from the pre-med student exactly um, yeah um wait I'm pole vaulting is something I'm really curious about yeah, also. yeah that's good. um how do you train to you don't like clearly you don't just take a pole, jump over a, a thing. How do you train to jump over yeah. the, mm-hmm. the pole? Sure. So pole vaulting is, uh, let me start by saying, <laughs> pole vault is almost one of the most technical events in track and field. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that any of my fellow athletes could be amazing at the event. Yeah. But mm-hmm. one thing I find is that a lot of my fellow athletes will tell me like, I don't know how you could do it. Like it's like or X Y Z, and I think like I'm I'm sure you could do it. Yeah. Like it's just for me when I'm up to like uh, to jump right. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest hurdle is or hurdle I guess <laughs> is that like getting to to be mentally strong and okay. saying that I I can jump over it. Oh. Yeah, but in terms of training for it, it starts off small. You have to do like a lot of drills to mm-hmm. prepare yourself. 
and doing the motions to really get yourself up over the the bar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to learn the um, technique. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> you learn the technique slowly, and it's something I'm still working on. Yeah, it's something that every day I go into practice to try to improve on, and it's something that takes time. And mm-hmm. sometimes you, I don't feel that I'm growing, but it's a slow process. Yeah, that's. Gotcha. Probably. It's, it's, it's happening. <laughs> that's such an interesting idea, and I think that's in a lot of different of the dis- different disciplines that we uh-huh. all are a part mm-hmm. of, like in our own studies as well, and in, our, in any other sport that many people oh, yeah. might do. It's so important to, everyone, all of the coaches always, and the professors always emphasize to get down the basics before you even start doing anything mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. technical. So yeah. I think that idea is so cool, how Definitely. it translates toward so many different <laughs> ideas or yeah. just yeah. so many different um yeah 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 Definitely. when you go over the top does it feel like flying it feels like it does not feel like flying i think <laughs> <laughs> when i go over when i start jumping mm-hmm. i feel like i want to swing and um. I, i'm my own swing <laughs> and so I feel like when I start getting over it though I can feel that like oh my body was way over the bar so I'm gonna make it mm-hmm. and then when I'm falling down mm-hmm. it's like it's just the most peaceful thing it's, it's quick but I feel really like happy when I'm yeah. falling oh, that's really <laughs> that's cool. a very interesting contrast I love that <laughs> a peace when you're falling yeah <laughs> and doesn't hurt when you hit the ground we the we mat. fall on a mat yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends on the mat. <laughs> just it, it does not hurt. Them, <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, is the pole vaulting and whole track and field team, are there going to be competitions or practices? There's practices this spring, but it's optional. Okay. There's no competitions because of COVID. Gotcha. And are you doing these practices? Yeah, I try nice. to go in when I can. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, do you have any questions for us? Hmm, I think, I I know, I, well, this is sort of, sort of irrelevant, but I would love to hear more about which, what Eco Reps have planned for the upcoming semester, <laughs> whether it's, like, I know Free Cycle just ended. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think the whole office has kind of been thrown into a little disarray because of last semester and mm-hmm. not being able to be on campus. Yeah. Um, so far, people are just kind of working on small things. Definitely um, making sure that everyone knows the deal about the compost and recycling is a big one. Mm. Um, otherwise, I think it's about trying to plan a few community engagement events. Um, I think Earth Day will probably be a celebratory event coming up. Mm-hmm. And then making space for people to get together. Like, for instance, um, one of the employees, uh, Will Mato, who does green athletics, so he's, he's working on all mm-hmm. sorts of just, like, trying to get people together in, on the sports side of things. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing too planned, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there will definitely be updates as we find out more about what's going on. But um, so far, what we've been doing is just we're keeping track of how the students at Bowdoin are feeling about um, just their either their stay at Bowdoin or their stay away from Bowdoin mm-hmm. um, and keeping kind of inventory of uh, what, how are students feeling now and how can we support them as you know, people who care a lot about their emotional and mental sustainable sustainability yeah. um, for their yeah. well-being. So we are doing a lot of contemplating on that right now. There's, mm-hmm. I think, I've, I uh, remember um, hearing some of the first year, the eco-reps working on some 
craft ideas, yeah. sustainable craft ideas, things that will help the general Bowdoin population and as, as well as like those who are off campus kind of feel a bit more connected to the community. So that's mm-hmm. sort of what we've been working on right now. Oh, interesting. I think it would also really be interesting to learn more about how can we be sustainable in a COVID world with masks where do i am i supposed to throw these away like where are they going Mm -hmm. um what am i what can i do to be environmentally sustainable while being like sustainable living a sustainable life yeah Mm -hmm. one thing that i'm really interested to hear about in the future is that we're talking about this um with a professor in the near future who runs a course on toxicities Mm. and i believe a lot of her research is about waste management um across the world and I'm really curious to ask her about what she knows about current waste systems and how they've been impacted by COVID. Because, of course, there's so many more things being thrown out these days. So, is your book club still going? And if so, what are you reading now? So, my book club is through the Prehealth Society. Okay. And yep. we do it typically on the breaks. So, uh, on I winter see. break, summer break. and maybe spring break okay. coming up soon <laughs> there isn't a, a very book short plan book. yet yeah <laughs> right any books that you've been thinking about lately about maybe what you would potentially potentially want to read in the future with the, mm. with the book club Ooh, good question i haven't thought too much about that actually but i really do like atul kalande's books okay um <laughs> and um we've recently just finished complications by atul kalande mm. and i think two books from him is not too little not too much but i think it might be interesting to read another one from him or even go into reading about um whatever whatever is interesting and relevant really Mm -hmm. fantastic love that well if you don't have uh any more questions for us then i think we should say thank you so much for talking with us today because it's lovely to hear from you lovely to hear from Bowdoin student and i'm so excited to hear about your path ahead Thank you. Of course. Over the course of the spring 2021 semester, Green Tea will be sharing stories from students, staff, and community members around Bowdoin College. Stay tuned for more episodes, and thanks for listening.